Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Welcome back to the death lineup post Warriors loss to the Boston Celtics tonight in Boston, 121-118 in overtime, a game that the Warriors of old would have clearly put away, but this year's Warriors, this is the game that they are losing this year. But Bry, first question, are you on the side of I'm just happy to see the Warriors play like they know they can play. Or are you on the opposite side of I'm so mad that they lost this game? I'm a, I'm a little sad, like more sad that they lost this game than mad because I thought they could do it. But I mean, I'm, I'm definitely in the camp of like, like they were competing against the best team in the league on the road. So, you know, you little little backstory here just of like 30 minutes ago you kind of wanted to do the pod a little early and right when you texted me if we should do the pod early slater marcus and tk did like an all 82 post game and i was like okay i'm just gonna start listening to this in preparation for our pod oh wow I feel like i feel like they had a good couple of points that i did want to bring up but i think the first one was that like we should be happy like okay we shouldn't be happy if we're defending champs we're almost like the los angeles rams right now of this past year where defending champs and going and be bad and that's kind of what we are right now but there is promise in what they are doing and you know like i think there is good a lot of good things that came out of this game especially so again it's the best team in the entire league right now and you took them to ot and lost by three like you can't really you could be mad at that obviously because we've just beat this team in the finals but if you look at it from the context of this eight seed warriors team uh, team two games under 500 and this Celtics team that is just well above 500 first plate like that's I think I think you're good with that game okay I like that you took that mentality with this because that was a fun basketball game to watch if you're if you're on the Warriors side for three quarters because for three quarters they played like every single fan who's watched this team was just would just wish that they would play every game and and it's not really that they have to play this well. It's just the intensity, the dedication, the attention to detail, the not overfouling, and the the not turning the ball over too much. Now, in the fourth quarter, they did revert back to that team that they've been all year long. Mm-hmm. For three quarters, we did see what uh, I thought was 
the kind of basketball that that we were just used to seeing them play and, and last year especially in the playoffs that was that was how they played and you saw it with Jordan right Jordan it looked like he took this on as like a personal challenge to play a really tough game to attack the basket even he even got his couple of his shots blocked I know there were some fouls that didn't get called on him but man just to see that guy aggressive and confident and just like nobody on this team can guard me that was awesome to see and clay for the first three quarters was he was clay and then you know he kind of got in foul trouble and, and that hurt his playing time a little late but that so that 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 team that we saw for three quarters great i'm ha- i'm so happy i just don't and and maybe someone will explain it. Maybe it is Boston uh, turning up the intensity or something, but I'm just trying to figure out what changed in that fourth quarter. My guess is that Boston sort of figured that, okay, Derek White just can't play in this game. Uh, your best friend, Grant Williams, he just can't play in this game because those guys were out of the rotation and it was Brogdon, and uh, Al Horford and Robert Williams were just sort of the the three other guys. They they were playing like seven guys, uh, uh, I, I think, um, in the in that fourth quarter. So they went with their best guys, and and that might just be it. Their best seven is right now with no Kaminga is better than the Warriors' best seven. So that that may be what the answer is, but uh that that's what that's what bothered me because uh, you watched them play a very up tempo game. And a, and a very strategically up-tempo game to offset the size difference on the other side. And then in that fourth quarter, they just went back to, like, it was the Pistons again. <laughs> yeah. So that was I mean, so there was, like, when they started the game, there was, it just seemed like they were just playing with such a, such a fast-paced game where when the Celtics would make a shot, they just inbound it really quick and almost just start a fast break off of a made basket. And I was like, man, that was working for a while. I think the one thing I would be upset about from this game that I'd take away and be like genuinely be kind of upset about is how did Jalen Green hit a three that quickly after like a made basket to tie the game with like three seconds left or something like that? Like how did Oh Jalen you mean oh, Jalen Brown? Jalen Brown, yeah. How 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 did how did that happen? Because that it's a reminder of the Utah game, the first game they played Utah without like Steph, Draymond, like I think it was just Clay and company. Yeah. And Clay blew a coverage. And someone ends up with like a wide open three, which then ends up to the Jordan Poole turnover, Fontecchio layup to buzzer beat the game. And that's what it kind of reminded me of there, even though it was more of a quick play. But like, how did how did they allow that to happen? I think that was just it just seemed like a like that shouldn't happen on like the last shot of the game. I saw one of those Twitter accounts tweet out that play. And I saw some finger pointing at Jordan. I want to say it was Warriors World, but I, it may not have been Warriors World. Uh, some sometimes Warriors Twitter just in general just becomes one giant account of Warriors <laughs> Twitter. Yeah. Um. Not not to put Sheed with some of the more negative people. She she knows what he's talking about. But it looked like Jordan was confused at who he was supposed to guard. So the 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 trail inbounder took a while to get across half court, and so you see Jordan just going like. Like turning like he didn't know who to guard, and then ball whipped around. Not his man. It it wasn't his man, but it seemed like uh, he was. You know, he was sort of 
unsure about who he's supposed to guard. So I don't know if other people were unsure or maybe he was guarding the wrong person or, or whatever. But if you search it out on Twitter, you, you'll find it. But yeah, I mean, it was it was just like a breakdown. And uh, I guess we should start with the starting lineup. They pulled Looney out and they started the fast five, as as I affectionately call it, with, with Jordan Poole at the two and Clay at the three. And it leaves Draymond, you know, butt naked as the center with <laughs> nobody in the middle against a very long team. Uh, they, you know, they have, you, you know, Jalen Brown, who is the two guard in the Warriors lineup, would probably play the power forward. <laughs> like, it's just, you know, the way that the Warriors are built. And, uh, the, but they, offensively, they looked crisp. They looked attacking. They looked like nothing was mucking up any play like, like you know looney looney understands his position but he will also drop the basketball when he's wide open for a layup every once in a while um and, and so offensively they look great defensively they were really really tiny giving up offensive rebounds and you know what i noticed more so in this game just because it was the lineup they were using draymond had to cheat a little bit more because if draymond's man was out on the wing he kept leaving the wing because he knew how small they were in the middle. And sometimes that was leaving Al, Al Horford open for a three pointer. So that was a really good strategy. That's what lost Celtics. us game one. Well, that's the, that, that was the strategy, right? Was to pull out Robert Williams, who is a positive on their side too. But because Al Horford was stretching them and pulling Draymond out of the key, you're basically playing four on four for the offensive rebound with, Anthony uh, Andrew Wiggins at the power forward versus Jason Tatum, um, you know Steph versus Jalen Brown. Uh, so that that's uh, that's a good chess match, especially if the Warriors could get their stuff together and, and make a little bit of run and and you know maybe play these guys again. But that was that that's the chess match that I would love to see again. What so a do you agree with the idea of starting? fast with this lineup it definitely feels like they are more confident in their offense with with, with these guys uh but then you know the, you got the back end of it on the other side where the, where they're they're like i said draymond's butt naked so did you like it do you because sounds like steve's gonna go with it right yeah he steve said he needs the wanted to find a spark and he's gonna keep rolling with it um, I think when you look at all the different perspectives of that lineup, like we've seen time and time again, that Jordan Poole is for some reason, not for some reason, we know why, but he's better starting with Stephen Curry than trying to like lead a second unit. Like he just genuinely gets hit better shots, better looks, and he's more confident playing against next to Steph because who wouldn't be? Yeah. And as frustrating as that is seeing a guy who got like that, Tyler Hero max contract deal or max extension or whatever he got like you would want him that not to be the case necessarily but I mean it is and so you have that part covered and I think the only thing that's like obviously the glaring worry is defensively but I think listening to the little tidbit of all 82 that I got to listen to I think it was Slater or Marcus that brought up a really good point which was that it's almost like they Jordan Poole we've mentioned that he played better defense today and yeah. it's almost like they all know that this lineup is is not as good defensively. So they gotta kinda they got to kind of try a little harder. Everyone has to try a little harder. And that almost like worked. Like it was just like 
Draymond knew that this lineup wasn't going to be as good uh, defensively with Looney not back there to help him out. So he had to step it up. Jordan Poole the same. And so I think that if that's like, if they all realize that and they continue to play like defense is like extremely important in this lineup because we know it doesn't have as much, um, then I, I think I think it could work. But I mean, I think the question is mainly when you get to the lineups like uh, like against like Denver, like Denver's clearly the better team than the Warriors right now. And it's like, OK, what happens when you face like the big old offensive center? There's not that many of them, but like Denver, I guess, kind of Phoenix, kind of Philadelphia. But I think you cross that bridge when you get there. And in the meantime, I still think we beat Denver. If if they can play like they played against Boston today, mm-hmm. I I think they got they got Denver's number, and it's only because the way that Denver has to play, where their best player is the Achilles heel uh, on defense for them against a team that is willing to start, you know, so small as mm-hmm. the Warriors, and and I think the Warriors would would play that game. Our shot makers versus your shot makers, uh, Joker is fantastic. Who's going to help him beat the Warriors? That's the way that I think that they would look at it. And that's why yeah. it would be a fun, it would be a really fun series if, yeah. if we do get there. And I think a game like this is the reason why so many like NBA media people, you know, I'm sure I listen to Rosillo's podcast. Like I don't really ever listen to Rosillo, but I listen to like the first 20 minutes of Rosillo's podcast and he did like a 12 team midseason power rankings and he mm-hmm. wasn't there was not really much formula to it besides his own opinion and he was like number five i'm giving it to the warriors like they're the eighth seed in the west right now yeah. but we yeah. just know what they can do and we know once they turn it on it's like you know it, it, they're back essentially and so i think that's why a lot of a lot of media people a lot of probably team execs around the league you like ask them who should who's going to come out of the west i'm sure the warriors still finish like top three or top four voting regardless of them being the eighth seed so they're actually the ninth seed now because of this phoenix one uh or it's the phoenix game over i'm not sure but phoenix is killing brooklyn right now no phoenix is still phoenix will still be behind them okay it's the them and the clippers basically have the same record but where's OKC? Clippers have one more win. OKC is the same record as the Warriors. Yeah, it's crazy right now what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, wait, I had one more point to that. Oh, and Slater was like, um, over the offseason, like I know you know about staggering, but this is more just to like the audience. But like when the Atlanta Hawks were able to get a guy like DeJounte Murray, the question was like, okay, they're just going to be able to stagger these two point guards. Yeah. So that. They start together, but then when one's off the court, one's always on the court. Yeah. I think that's what we could see with Draymond and Looney being the anchor of the defenses, and you're happy with that. You're happy with one of the, either one of them being on the court at all times to anchor your defense. So I think that's a, another good aspect of starting with the Fast Five at the moment. I am wondering if there's a point where you kick Jordan Poole out of the lineup, you go Steph Clay, Wiggins, like Kaminga and Draymond. Like that would that would be really interesting to me if you really want to if you want to go like defense heavy. But I was gonna oh, and I think another point in all eighty two was that if when you start Looney Draymond, like it's great, right? But like what happens when Wiggins isn't able to really get his shot going from three or from the midi? Like you're kind of not only can Draymond and Looney not shoot, but now you kind of got another non shooter at the moment as he continues to find his offense back. Like this alleviates that and this helps that. So. Um, I think it's the move for now, and I'm I'm interested to see how it works against Cleveland. I don't know if they're going to have Donovan Mitchell back tomorrow. No Clay, actually, huh? No Clay on the back to back. Probably not. So they're going to have to bring back Looney in anyway. But yeah, I'm interested for tomorrow's game too. I'm not sure if Donovan's there, but yeah. Unless unless you start 
DiVincenzo. DiVincenzo. <laughs> That's the small forward. Or oh, Moody. Or, no, Kaminga might be back tomorrow. Interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, then he would start at the four and we can start. I'd give him the start, but I'm excited for Kaminga to be back. I, I really am. What'd you think about his suit on the bench tonight? That guy knows how to dress, man. You might clown him, but like he's just confident. <laughs> clown him. He's just confident. I like him. I wish, I like I wish him to have a lot. that. I wish to have that confidence. I'll just wear whatever the hell I want. Like, I don't care. He he wore a, a very very outgoing blue suit, uh, black turtleneck underneath, uh, no tie, and he had his glasses on. He he was looking big. That's what that's what I thought. I was like, yeah. man, he's looking big. Interesting. They didn't. They did. They how, what was their rotation? Like how many guys did they stop it at? They didn't. Did they go with Lamb again in the second half that much? Uh, I, he played. You know what? I don't know if he played in the second half. Um, because they didn't play at Moody. No Patrick Baldwin, of course. So Lamb Lamb played seventeen minutes. So he would have oh, had, so he to had play to. in the second he half. Had to, second yeah. half. He uh, he had a couple of stints there. Uh, yeah, it was uh, Clay Wiggins, Draymond, Jordan Poole, Steph, and then they only had three bench guys: Divincenzo, Looney, and Lamb. So no Patrick Baldwin, no Moses Moody. Uh, I guess James guy. James James Wiseman wasn't dressed, right? He he was no, in he sweatpants or whatever. And it sounds like, at least according to Slater, it sounds like Wiseman is going to take longer to get back than uh, Jamichael Green. Which yeah, is interesting. Damn, I wonder if just. The tall guy scary. ankle because his his ankle's probably so much longer than everyone else's. Yeah, probably it takes a little longer. Um, all right, so in the second uh, in the second half, the Warriors built uh, a decent lead. I think they were up upwards of like nine eight in in the third quarter. And Warriors fans know that all you need to do is you need to get that lead up. Uh, and by the eight-minute mark or the 7.30 mark of the fourth quarter, Steph's going to come back in, and Steph is usually a plus player, and you win ball games by you know, get, get, keeping that lead till the time that, that Steph comes in. I don't know what, what it ended up to be, but when I there was a moment in, I don't know if it was an over, I think it may have been in overtime. There was a moment in overtime where... Since the time that Steph had come back into the game at that eight or seven thirty mark or whatever it was, the Celtics outscored the Warriors thirty-two to sixteen. Yeah. So, what was it about Steph that caused him to stop being aggressive? That caused him to start turning the ball over, throwing two left-handed passes that get intercepted, um, just chucking up hard threes. He ends up shooting. Uh, from three, he ends up shooting six of 18. This dude took 18 three-pointers. Uh, Jason Tatum took 13. Um, he only made four. So what was it? Like, all just all of a sudden, he became super passive. He looked a little bit like... Sh- sh- shook is not the right word because he's been in so many big games, but th- he just did not look right on the court for whatever mm-hmm. reason. I mean, I think there's maybe he's just still trying to slowly find his way back. Like even I think what Washington, like he had a good stat line or Bulls, he had a good stat line. Like has, has he been over like 50% from the field since he came back? I don't I'm not so. entirely sure. So like, I don't know. I think that Boston obviously like even though maybe on paper or on the defensive rating list, they might not have the best defense. But I mean, this is de- basically the same roster plus a Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. They're going to find their way just like the Warriors are going to find their way. So 
I think you know Boston gets up for this game as well, and and they're the, the defensively they they tried to bring it to them, but it just seemed I think there's unforced. A... Like it just seemed like it's the, these errors did not come from pressure. They didn't come from like spectacular defense. They were just unforced. Like Steph was trying to do something that didn't even look like it was there. So that, that's the part that I I'm think just the main wondering. thing you point to is probably that last shot against Horford. It's like you get the switch you want and then you don't really do anything. You kind of just dribble a little to the right and force up a fadeaway. I just that was probably the one where I was like, what you have? You got the switch you want, like go to work. Um, so no, I mean, hopefully, like, I don't know if we're saying it without saying it, but like, I hope he's healthy. Like, I hope he's fine. You know, um, I think you'll figure it out. But yeah, you're right. Like that. I mean, that's what we said in the Phoenix thing where it's like, dude, you need to be aggressive early. And he wasn't mm-hmm. aggressive early. He was aggressive early against Washington, I think it was, or against Chicago, one of those two. But yeah, he just, I'm going to give him a break. He can find his way back. <laughs> no, Steph has to be perfect. Um, you know, just for, for, for Warriors fans, it's like, if he is not a, a plus Steph, they, they don't, they probably don't have a chance to, to win it again. Yeah, no, they don't. Um, okay. You know, we've talked a lot about clay this year about how, man, this dude is forcing shots. He's like trying to force a rhythm. And today I thought he should have shot way more. He's eight for 16. He's four of eight from three. There was a moment at, I think it was at halftime. He and Steph were both four of eight from three. So this guy didn't take another three pointer the rest of the game. It's not like they didn't have similar minutes though. He fouled out. So he didn't get some of those uh, extra uh, overtime minutes, but this was a time where I was like, man, how come we're not finding clay? Yeah. I mean, he had that wide open three in the corner off the, uh, the the timeout that he dropped out of bounds. Like, that was definitely one. Some of it was the fouls, for sure. Maybe some of it was he was just playing so hard on defense. He was a little winded and, and uh, you know, not not maybe, maybe not as spry as he was in the first half. But I want this guy to chuck up more shots. He was really the only player on the team, uh, at, you know, for the game who was shooting consistently. Like, if you look at the box score, Jordan was 10 of 25. Steph nine of twenty five, Wiggins eight of uh, six of eighteen, and just he was throwing some bricks up there. He did finish three of eight from three, so so that that wasn't too bad. But yeah, Clay was the only player outside of uh, Draymond and, and and Kevon Looney who was one of one to shoot fifty percent. It's like man, put up some more shots, dude. You're the one who actually looked like yourself or looked like you were, you know, even better than yourself. So I don't know what, what he finished there. with. He finished uh, with 24 mm. in the month of January. Isn't he averaging like some type of 30 thing, like 30 yeah. something? It was like, like 31 yeah. points average in the last five games or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He's been so good. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't know. I mean, I maybe halftime speech. Missoula was like, hey, we kind of need to like guard Clay. He's catch and shoot hitting. Like, yeah. I mean, there's there's some weird things that you're making me retract my statement of like, oh, I feel good about this loss. <laughs> but yeah, there's some weird things with the Steph aggressiveness, Clay not really getting shots in the second half. But um, I mean, that's I think that's stuff that I think that's stuff they'll they just need to hit a rhythm. They need to get a rhythm. And well, then then I think all those things will start to click. But you know, even with that scary close for for the Warriors, Steph still finished a positive for the game. <laughs> He Jesus. was a positive nine still. He um, was like 
Yeah, it was so positive throughout the all three quarters. I think he gets pulled out with like one minute left in the third quarter yeah. and then they immediately start like giving up a lead and then they kind of built it back up again. And yeah, I just thought that he was going to have an insane plus minus up until he comes back in the eight minute mark. I know I know Celtic fans are are trying to talk themselves into oh this was a gritty win and you know the, our guys our big guys played no Jason it was <laughs> 9 of 27 the most inefficient 34 points I've seen since uh, Kobe Bryant his hero uh 4 of 13 from 3 rest in peace now, now what did he do he he rebounded really well against the small 19 like they, they needed him no- to do that and he did that how many did he have? I saw he had 19 yeah, at one 19, point. 19. 17 defensive rebounds, 19 rebounds. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Um, the, Find the, other ways how to contribute. I mean, that's, well, that's the, a good thing. Yeah, that, that's, that, that is a way, but it is against a smaller lineup. So he, he yeah. that was sort of like, yeah, you need to get those boards. Um, Jalen Brown, who is you know my favorite player on that team, he was really bad too. I think he came back a little bit in that fourth quarter, hit that big three that you talked about. Six of 18. Uh, he was he was even bad at the free throw line, but he did yeah. he he himself did grab nine rebounds as well. So he finished with sixteen. I think there was like a um, like when when Jordan Poole matched up against Jalen Brown to start the game, I thought to myself like, okay, this might be a strategy because I think Jalen Brown was either like on the verge of not playing or playing. I don't know how many games he's missed, but maybe it was not necessarily like a ramp up like Steph, but like okay, let's kind of ease him back into like playing time. So if you put Jordan Poole on him, obviously you're thinking attack, 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 but it's like, okay, he needs to kind of ease back in. So maybe he's not going to attack like that. That kind of felt like a little chessboard to mm-hmm. start the game to me. Mm-hmm. And Pretty smart. It was, yeah, it, honestly. And it, and it did work out for the majority of it, but I wouldn't bet on Jalen Brown playing that type of game again against the Warriors. He's usually the one who does really well against the Warriors. Now Except, that we've had like a... What did Draymond say? In that when, when he was mic'd Orson up, yeah, left. right, was, and yeah, and genius, and that they were swiping. I don't know if that was like an Iguodala thing of like, hey guys, here when he mm. dribbles, he's not strong, and and we can, you know, when he makes that transition back to the other hand, that's where we can get it, yeah. whatever. But they they did that a couple times. Yeah, um, I think though, like with Tate, with Brown, I wouldn't necessarily bet on a bad game, but with Tatum, we've had. Um, how many games did the finals go to? Six. Six. We've had an eight-game sample size since mm-hmm. the finals of Jason Tatum versus the Warriors, and we can like almost confidently say like we have his number. Yes. <laughs> like, I tweeted out like if you've only watched Warriors versus Celtics games since the finals, you would think Jason Tatum is the fourth best player on the Celtics. It's yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. wild. Yeah, I, I like you know they they were trying to build him up because he is their best player. But I'm just like, man, I'll take his game. I will take that every single time. Again, mm-hmm. inefficient 34. Now he did go 12 of 12 from the from the free throw line. So that, you know, that's big time. That that is big time. I just I don't think he played well for the most part. Um, I thought the MVP was big Al Horford. And I was like, gosh, after we how, how many times do we have to watch this guy in the finals just hit big shots? Like, haven't we solved him? But like I said. When Draymond is matched up against him, it's wide open. He gets wide open. Yeah, because Dray- Draymond is a roamer. Yep. He's he's a yeah. free safety essentially, and and so Al gets big shots or gets open shots, and if he hits them, then they become big shots. If I was uh, if I was Celtics, I'm not I'm not giving uh, I'm not giving their coach any any advice here. Uh, he could, I play Derek White as much as you want, <laughs> but if I was coaching the Celtics, Derek White and Grant Williams would pretty much be out of the rotation against the Warriors because they are 
lost out there. Like, there, who who was uh, Derek White talking to? Was it Brogdon who he was talking yeah, to yeah. when they were talking about you know how to defend and and all this stuff? And he Derek White just looked like, can we play the different team? Like this team is not the team. So I don't know if it's Sam Hauser or Blake Griffin or whatever. But I yeah whatever the, J- Derek White and, and Grant Williams and those guys come in. The Warriors' eyes light up like, thank you. Like, I disagree with Derek White. Like, I, I, I'm with you with Grant. You know, you, you call him Chubby Grant sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I do but, hate on Grant. I'm sure yeah. he's he's probably like the nicest guy in person. And he's I, probably like, I just hate. I just, I'm just on him because he was he was talking so much trash to Draymond last year. Yeah, I, I, I honestly think like Derek White when Marcus Smart was out the game last year in the finals, like did the best job you could do on Steph, who was just on another dimension. Like, I don't fault Derek White for Steph getting 40 or whatever, something 40-something in game four or something. Like, Steph was just on a mission and on a different dimension than every other player in that game. Like, I still think Derek White is, like, a solid defender on Steph. Steph's just Steph. He he is a good backup player. Um, he could probably start on, you know, maybe the bottom 10 teams. But just against the Warriors, they just let this dude shoot. And then he's got a hit. He's got a hit. Then he tries to attack and he gets stuck in, in, in no man's land, you know, up in the air, firing passes out of, out of jumping. And, uh, I, I just, I just am very happy when he's in the game and Mark smart is out of the game or I think Brogdon is out of the game. Brogdon hasn't been efficient either against the Warriors, but you just know he's generally making the right play. And he was, uh, he was the highest plus, uh, on the floor tonight with the plus 11, in 35 minutes, Steph was plus nine. Yeah. Those were the two highest for the game. I think Marcus, or sorry, Malcolm Brogdon, even though maybe you've said he hasn't had the greatest games against the Warriors, I think Malcolm Brogdon might have been the best pickup by any team in the offseason, and he just happened to go to the best team in the league. And uh, like I think one of my main critiques of Marcus Smart and kind of that team in general last year was, you know, Marcus Smart just felt like he would take these like heat check shots just like at the wrong time or when he wasn't even hot. And I think Malcolm Brogdon just generally generally can slow the game down. Like, cause Marcus Smart's not really like a point guard, you know, he's just like a really good defender who he's a guard. I mean, he almost, I threw, the, a, he almost threw the game away at the end there. What the yeah. heck he doing? Like Malcolm Brogdon's <laughs> like actually like a point guard who will run the slow pick and roll, who will, you know, find, make the right pass. Like I am definitely worried about, I'm interested to see how that, that closing lineup that they had out there will fare in the playoffs where it's smart Brogdon, both Jalen's and Rob like that just seems like really good and so I think Malcolm Brogdon was great a great pickup for him uh, for them um let's see is there anything else as far as this game is concerned uh, I don't think so and, and I got but I guess we can look ahead to the rest of this week which is uh Cleveland tomorrow which it feels like a loss because they went so hard at this game. But if yeah. they could get Minga back, maybe that changes some stuff. But, you know, I thought Clay was their best offensive player tonight, and he's going to be not playing tomorrow. So that that's a that's a little bit of a, of a miss. I know sometimes Jordan has big games when Clay's not playing. Um, but, yeah, Cleveland seems like it's a tough game. What did you, you said Mitchell, something about Mitchell? I got Mitchell on fantasy, and I don't know if he's going to play or not. But I think I heard some. I saw something on Twitter that he is probable or questionable. I don't know if he's ruled out yet, but 
If he is, that means Isaac Okoro and Le- Karis LeVert are going to start. And Isaac Okoro has actually put together like a good string of like five games where he's he's like he's actually like a really good point of attack defender. So he'll be on Steph. And then he's actually finally starting to like hit threes, which he's never really been able to do. So that's if he can do that, that's going to be big for them. But yeah, if no Mitchell, it's going to be uh, Darius Okoro, LeVert, and the, 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 two, the two twin towers back there. Now, um, now the Warriors did beat the Cavs at the first, uh, yeah, at home earlier in the season, and some of that was just that they just made a couple more plays down the stretch as as the more vet team, and so I don't know. You're just I guess you're just trying to keep it close. Uh, that team, that Cavs team, is still uh, still young, still gelling, still figuring it out, but a uh, a good basketball team uh, nonetheless. They sit right now. Uh, in the fifth spot in the, the East at 28 and 18, which I would take 28 and 18 if I was the Warriors right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I mean, that fast five against oh, a, a version, a iteration of the fast five without clay against those two enormous bigs. Like you got to get the offense going quick or there's going to yeah. just like slowly just kill you to death with just getting every offensive rebound and just getting easy two points. So it's kind of, they got to be like a point of emphasis. Like we need to get going. I mean, every Wiggins pool stuff. You know, I love Jordan attacking today. I, I just loved watching it. One caveat against the Twin Towers, we get maybe we got to pull out the runner a little bit more. Mid range. Okay. Okay. Actually, I do want to say one more thing then. Yeah. I'm on cleaning the glass. It's like a advanced analytic metric database that uh-huh. I'm paying, paying $5 a month for. Um, okay. So shooting totals for this game. Uh, where are we? Okay. So the Warriors, this is their rim attempts, shots within four feet of the basket. The Warriors were 11 for 14, and Boston was 14 for 25. Um, shots from the mid-range, shots outside of four feet, but inside of about 14 feet, the free throw line distance. Warriors were four for 21, and mm. the Celtics were four, 14 of 34. And then long mid-range, shots outside of 14 feet. About 14 feet. So free throw line distance extended before the three, the three mm-hmm. point arc. Mm-hmm. Warriors seven to thirteen. Boston two of eight. And then so let's just then we bunch together the short mid and the long mid range just for the all mid range. Warriors eleven to thirty four. Celtics sixteen of forty two. And then if you just want to go, I'll skip the corner and non corner three stats. But all three pointers. Warriors seventeen for fifty. Celtics 13 for 41. I am interested to see that 11 for 14 at the rim, though, because they haven't really been an attacking rim team lately, but mm-hmm. they kind of did it efficiently. You'd just like to see that number go up because Celtics were at 25, Warriors were at 14. It just and seemed, it was it, just, it was Jordan, just, right? It it seemed yeah. like it was Jordan. Yeah. Steph got Steph got loose. Uh Clay got loose uh one time. Um Wiggins, I think Wiggins he missed a layup, I think, but uh that that he probably should have dunked. But yeah, I, th- I thought I thought it was all, I thought that stuff was all Jordan, and and probably that's where it's going to come from. Steph will will get JK. loose, will, will get loose uh, against uh, some teams, but you know that that they were attacking. I, I I would like to see that floater come out a little bit, especially because you're trying to do that against Mobley and Allen, and you know they're they're probably going to be sending some of that. So pull out that pull out that floater game, pull pull out that mm-hmm. that you know that that ten foot runner. I want to see it. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, so and then we have uh, Brooklyn at home on Sunday night. Head to head. Brooklyn is the worst team in the league right now without Kevin Durant for some reason. Like, <laughs> I guess it kind of makes sense, but they still have pieces on that roster. They uh-huh. lost to the Spurs. 
<laughs> the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs, and then they lost. I think I don't know if that game's over, but I think they were losing by a lot. I guess Dr- is Draymond friends with Ben Simmons? I don't think so, because he he may be talking a lot of trash to Ben Simmons if he's yeah. not shooting. Oh man, what a terrible team for if Ben Simmons had to face them in the playoffs. Like just Draymond just completely doing the sag off treatment that just gets in everyone's head. Like Simmons might not show up for Game Three, you know, <laughs> fully healthy. <laughs> Memphis at home. Uh, on Wednesday night, which is a pretty big game because they are definitely uh, ahead of the Warriors in the standings. They are 31 and 13, second best team in the West, and only a half game behind the Nuggets. We hear a lot about how good the Nuggets are, mm-hmm. and the Grizzlies are just a half game behind them. Uh, and they have the third best record in the league. Celtics are first, then the Nuggets, then the Grizzlies. So that's a that's a giant game, but one that. Hopefully, at home, the Warriors will seem to be up for. And then Friday against the Raptors. Now, what is good about their schedule, um, starting Friday now, now Clay probably misses that game, like we said. But then you go Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, there's no back-to-backs. So Clay will hopefully play all three games. And I wonder what's up with Iguodala. Yeah, I know. There was was a, a, a subtle note in in Slater's write-up that we'll talk about here in a second where he said not I forget not practicing or something and, and not sure when he's playing or because I mean he played those few games and then he took that one game off and then he hasn't been back yeah and that one game became like three games yeah and we it's silence no one has said anything man they show us happiness and they just take it away I still think like the Igadala fit along with the Kaminga fit is just going to be like kind of complicated though. But Igadala did shoot like a three against, he hit a three in one of those games he was back, whether it be like Spurs or like the one after Orlando. I forget which one of the Phoenix game. But I think now I don't think that Kerr necessarily counted on him to be ready to play every game. But what did Kerr see him as? He saw him as. Draymond's help, right? Like, there's definitely a trust there, and maybe Draymond trusts Andre, and he doesn't have to cheat as much, which probably helps the the team defense there. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. With, and without Andre there, then you know we saw what, what we saw Draymond trying to fly all over the car, court, guard every position. So yeah, it's a bummer. I just, I mean, gash, you know, Iguodala's got this podcast that comes out every Friday. He better <laughs> let us know what's going on. I, I don't want you don't miss any of those. Here. No. I don't, no I don't injury management for the podcast. I was, guess the guest. Who, who's the who's the guest? It was. Uh, it's been a. It was Wiseman. Then it was Ty Jerome. I still haven't listened Moody. to the Moody one, but uh, I'll Moody listen to that good. probably tomorrow. Uh, but who who's next? Who's who's left? Who is it? Anthony Lamb is Anthony they Lamb going to be on the pod? Done, they haven't done good friend Jonathan Kaminga. Well, he had him uh, in the finals. Remember? Didn't no, that was Draymond. On? I thought no. Oh, Dre. Yeah, you're right. Draymond did have him. Um, have they even had Draymond? Ah, I don't I They might have. Um, who is left? You're right. Looney would be great. Why has no one had Looney on? Yeah. Or if they had Looney on? Get Looney on. Looney would be great. Patrick Baldwin, maybe. Yeah, yeah good Patrick little PBJ. Baldwin. Good little, yeah. All right, before we get to the, the trade thing, what did you think of uh, Draymond and Jamal Crawford's conversation on the podcast? Draymond talking about why he hasn't been uh, as good of a leader as as he should be. I mean, did you not listen to that and be like, oh my God, Brian said that on the podcast. Like he said a, a version of that. 
like I said that back when they played Phoenix the very first time, I said that I think the holding Jordan Poole accountable on defense, him not being able to do that is like is like a big flashing red light right now. And he basically admitted that, but he admitted it more on a grand scale. Like he can't do that to like most of the teammates. But I thought back he, and I, but he still didn't even say the name Jordan Poole. There's like, a, there's a thing there. No, he said to Crawford, you're Michigan boy. I thought he said Jordan or I thought he said, well, maybe my mind just was like, oh, Jordan. Maybe Poole. he did say like J or JP or something, but it seems Did you listen like- to the Malika conversation? No, uh, the Taylor Rooks conversation. No, I, I mean, I've just seen the clips of this stuff, yeah. so I, I haven't seen, you know, the whole thing. But it, it's almost like there's a little bit of like a, you were talking about accountability, right? If Draymond said, if, if when Jamal Crawford asked him about that and Draymond said, you're one of the guys, I'm not, I would never answer this question, but because I trust you how he did it, I, I don't feel like I'm a great leader because I cannot hold my teammates accountable the way that I want to because... I lost their trust when I punched Jordan Poole or I lost Jordan Poole's punch when I trust when I punch him. <laughs> if he said it like that, then I would feel like, okay, he's gone through those emotions and those feelings and he's really, really dug in on, and, and sort of, you know, figured all that out. But when he doesn't say the man's name, it makes me feel like he's kind of avoiding some of this still. Well, now, there's I'm, a part of him in the Taylor Rooks conversation where He's alluding to, like, I know it looks bad on camera. The 30 seconds you guys got of me knocking out a person, like, yes, I take accountability. That was my fault. But he almost is, like, continues to want to say, like, he said something. Like, he, like, Jordan, like, did something not to necessarily deserve a knockout punch, but to deserve something. And he doesn't want to say that because he knows that'll sound terrible, but he wants to say it. And I can understand that, but like again, the knockout punch was just like, damn, like, does anyone deserve the knockout punch that's not like a criminal? So I think there is an aspect of that where like I think him like just fully taking the full accountability takes away the conscience or the takes away the underlying thing he keeps thinking. Cause he said he watched it like 50 or 70 times back, like with the day it came out. And he's clearly thinking the whole time, like, no, he did something. Like something warranted not a knockout punch but something yeah. and he doesn't want to like admit that but like we i know he's thinking it and that makes sense like who wants to admit they just knocked out a guy cold blood for no reason but without mentioning the man's name there is an avoidance there there is a an a responsibility that he is allowing himself to not take and if i was advising draymond and maybe you know maybe there's still some stuff between he and jordan that we don't know about but if i was i would say acknowledge the man by saying his name don't keep saying i punched a man or you're michigan boy or in like say the man's name yeah stand you know but i gotta rewatch it i thought he said it and i thought he maybe said in the taylor rooks conversation but you might be right and if so then yeah and and you know what is the new media supposed to be about, right? Stand on your stand, stand on, your on it, right? Stand on what you say, and he needs to do that. So Ooh, that that would be my that, that would be, that would be my advice, advice for Draymond. Um, all right, why but, do what, why is the advice not? I, I deserve flowers here. No one no one said in a text chat like Brian seven weeks ago, two three months ago. You called it right from the beginning. You know I'm waiting for that. I I think you just verbally patted yourself on the back. 
Yes, good call. Yeah. It's a good call. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, what'd you what'd you think of Anthony Slater's column about the trade deadline and and pieces? Because if you listen to the broadcast tonight, Stan Van Gundy said maybe three times that the Warriors could be looking for another big. But if you read Anthony's piece, the trade rental of the Jakob Pertle or the Kelly Olynyk uh, doesn't seem to be in the Warriors' plans because they do not want to give up one of these pieces or one of their draft picks. I think it could be like one of two things, and they're completely different sides of the spectrum. But I, I, I said I, I don't want to keep doing the pat on the back thing, but it, I said on my podcast that I just didn't think they would get rid of Wiseman just because of the fact that it's like a pride thing. Yeah. And I just don't see them, uh, you know, basically trading Wiseman is, is saying you're wrong. Like you were wrong. And I know it's about winning championships. I'm sure like, I'm sure maybe that's not the entire part of it, but I could see that being an aspect of it where it's like, if you trade Wiseman for Kelly Olenek, like how they view Wiseman, like they're thinking like, you know, a Joel Embiid-esque type of like prospect and you trade him for Kelly Olenek, in their minds, that is trading five dollars to the penny (laughs) and i just i just don't see them you know they're the new media man they stand on their beliefs i respect (laughs) it uh but i think there is also like what if what if they're just like putting stuff out like the warriors person that and the anthony later granted how do you say anonymity anonymity yeah basically He's not saying who He's it anonymous. was so that they yeah. can be honest and, and, yeah, exactly. and giving him information. But maybe I mean, that that's, person that's, was that's planted a, there. A person was planted there to to put out on the Warriors lead beat reporter that the Warriors aren't interested in making trades. And so now everyone's like, ooh, now maybe we have to pay more to get these guys. Well, I mean, I think it's a Light trust. Years. I think it's a trusted guy by, by by Slater. So if he was fooled by that guy, he he'd probably be uh, pretty bothered by that. But um that's not to say that. You you lay all your cards out either, right? That's because yeah. that's not the game. So there was a talk of a, a Rudy Gay buyout, possibly if he was to get bought out by Utah. I think that could be interesting. I just don't know. I, I haven't seen him. Uh, he played a little bit in that Utah game against Warriors, but I haven't seen him uh, play much. I just remember when he was with Memphis uh, and, and the baby Warriors had to get by Memphis. I remember him being on that team. Yeah. Um. But that's uh, going to be if we were to get Rudy Gay, I would start thinking of what like he could be, and I'll start doing what I did with Jermichael Green before the season, and be like, "Wow, he's going to really fit." <laughs> I mean, he is six ten though. That is that is the difference. Is Rudy Gay is a, like a legit six ten? Uh, I didn't know that. Uh, but he, I mean, he he's like a stretch stretch four guy in his prime. I don't know what he would really that's be. What today. Jermichael's supposed to be, man. <laughs> Jermichael's just might be a stretch mark for. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. I don't want to say anything bad about Jermichael because he's uh, he's had a rough last uh, last couple of months here with the with the COVID and then I guess it's COVID because originally they said it was not COVID. They said a non COVID illness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Slater slipped into COVID uh, uh, in a, in a report, but then he's got the he had the leg inf- in infection. Yeah, so it ended up. Did you see in the piece? He ended up in the hospital for it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. I think we'll I be. Mean, I mean, that's like that's like staff infections when people get bad staff infections. They I've end up in the hospital. No, oh, I wow. think you you better you better hope that you never get one either. Yeah, staff geez. infections are nasty, and they use a lot of times they come from like dirty gyms yeah. and stuff. All right, what's your prediction for how this trade deadline will unfold? Let so we have we talked about the games that they have. So they they play the Cavs, which we're kind of saying is going to be an L. 
They could probably win two out of three at home, Brooklyn, Memphis, and Toronto. Then they go Oklahoma City, Timberwolves, Nuggets uh, on the road. They probably only win one of those games. Um, so they're they're going to be straddling around the record that they currently have now. Do you, When's the trade deadline? It's like February 13th or something like that. It's like around there, right? Okay, so if we assume that they stay around where they are, bottom, you know, bottom bottom part of the thing, uh, hopefully by then they'll have Wiseman back, they'll have uh, Kaminga back, they'll have Jermichael Green back. I think they got to make a move. Now, what is that move? Uh, Olenek, uh, who I think is kind of a dirty player, so I don't really like him, but you know, I understand why people think that that would be a fit. My main worry, and I've been saying that they need another big, is just because I'm really worried that Draymond gets worn down by come playoff time and then is not playing his best basketball. So that's why I would hope that they could bring in a four or five. But from Slater's piece, it sounds like they prefer a wing. So what wings are out there? Uh, we've already talked about like guys like Caruso, but the Bulls are kind of back in the in the swing of things, so they probably don't want to uh, get rid of Caruso unless they get a, a nice little bounty in return. But who are the players that are out there that would even be, you know, um, I guess you could look at every player on the Utah Jazz roster, and and you know that's why we mentioned the Rudy Gay thing. But yeah, I just don't know. Like there 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 don't there doesn't seem to be like super fantastic fits that are out there. You know, even with the Warriors being open to giving up some of these players, so yeah, that that's uh, that's interesting, and, and I, I really don't, I really don't know what to think there. I would think that it's not going to be anything big. It's not going to be no Wiggins for D'Lo thing. It's going to be, you know, it's not going to be my pretty Pascal Siakam trade that I still think like is <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't find out where they're like what team gets screwed, but I think that. It'll be like a. I think I thought at one point it might be like trade Ryan Rollins for like cash, trade him for like cash considerations or something. So because he literally he has a legit roster spot on this team and he mm-hmm. never plays with the big team. He's always in Santa Cruz, so that is a roster spot that is being taken by someone who does not play. Maybe you package Rollins and Jamichael Green for like a pick or something, or like cash in a pick or something like that. And it frees up a roster Two ro- no, then now you have three open roster spots. So you're able to convert one of the two ways into a roster, whether it be lamb, whether it be Jerome personally, I don't like lamb. Um, and I think there's like a trade out there, maybe for someone small, like a Jalen McDaniels, Jaden, his brother, his younger brothers on the Minnesota Timberwolves. It'll take light years or it'll take the sun and the moon and the stars to get him. Mm-hmm. Um, but his, his older brother, Jalen is like kind of, is, is I would think would be an interesting fit with this team. I've just been saying, I think you need like a three times better Anthony Lamb. And I don't think that three times better Anthony Lamb is like a star. I think that three times, three times better Anthony Lamb is like maybe just a little taller, versatile 3D guy. And I know the Pistons have a guy named Isaiah Livers who they're not going to move off of, who I've mentioned a couple of times. So I just think is a solid 3D player who can just switch a couple different positions on defense and hit an open shot. Like, they, can they just find someone like that who's at the wing position? I think that's what I want. And Jalen McDaniels is staring us right in the face. I think they've mentioned like a PJ Washington, but that would include moving like a Wiseman, which I don't want to do. I think Jalen McDaniels can get you like two second round picks. Like I think that could do it. But again, maybe I'm underestimating Jalen McDaniels' uh, value. I'm trying to think of any other like little guys 
that could be of help. There's a Dwight Howard in Taiwan if you want to back up. <laughs> uh, watch out for all the Skittles if, if Dwight yeah. Howard comes. So uh, Bobby Marks, um, he, he, he has his, his column on uh, the ESPN.com insider list, and it just came out yesterday, uh, and he went over all the, the West teams. And his, his thing was, uh, you know, he has the Warriors trade meter at a, at a five. So, you know, kind of average, like not, not, not really hot on the Warriors making a trade, but they could make a trade. And his trade that he would like to see was the one that you just mentioned, Wiseman and Moody to Charlotte for PJ Washington, Jalen McDaniels, and the best, well, shooter do that. The, the best shooter in the league, Mason Plumley. And so, so that that's his trade now, you know, uh, obviously like we've been saying, it's unlikely that they give up Wiseman. Uh, it's a, it's a Joey Lake, guy, right? It's, it's like still believes. And, you know, so if you, I think if you have a deal for Wiseman that like guarantees you like a tremendous shot to, to win the, uh, the championship, then he might he's probably going to be open to doing it but are you going to bring back uh PJ Washington's 15 points, 5 rebounds, you know, shooting 45% from the field? Is that going to do it for uh for the Warriors to to make this trade? I don't think so. You know, Jalen McDaniel 11 4 and 2 um I I don't know what what kind of uh i guess he's he's like an average three-point shooter too so it's just you know pj washington is a little bit above above average three-point shooter so you're not you're not bringing in killers for a deal like that the main thing is is that you're trading away two guys who are under contract for like a couple more years that you don't have to worry about paying and you're getting back Plumley and those two mcdaniels and washington i believe are both restricted free agents so you have to pay them and they probably won't pay them which means they are two rentals but, it, but you, two of it, your top prospects for two you would, rentals. You would be getting off of Wiseman's future money, which would be one of the. But again, I've said do it. I've said before that like when Wiseman is eligible for rookie extension, let's just say they don't give it to him. Okay, then the next year he's going to hit the restricted free agent market. I just don't know how many teams are going to be like, all right, here's a bag. Let's see if the Warriors match it. Like he hasn't proven himself to be of a substantial, get a substantial contract. Like, yeah, maybe one team will, and they'd be really dumb to do it. They said, okay, Wiseman, 72 games played in your four years in the league. Here's $30 million a year. No, I mean, it wouldn't be 30. It wouldn't be 30. Yeah, but I I still would bet on, I, I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade away for rentals. And I don't think they will. But it get then it gets tricky because they also don't want to bring back more money than they're trading. Yeah. Off. Like I don't know, I don't know Plumlee's com- uh, contract situation, but I'd assume he's not a he's not a free agent or uh, uh, an expiring. Yeah, I don't I don't know for sure what 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 his deal is. I'll look it up. I just don't I just don't want Plumlee because he's the worst shooting in, in uh, you know. But he has a he has a twelve and ten this year though. <laughs> I have him As, on fantasy and he gets me he, he gets like 40 to 45 fantasy points which in our league is like pretty darn good yeah yeah he does he 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 grabs boards um all right so uh yeah I mean that we will still talk about this over the next few weeks as the trade deadline gets hot I, it we'll see also because the Warriors could all of a sudden nosedive and then I don't know if that means that they'll be more willing or less willing to make a trade they could you know pull off a run where they win, you know, 10 out of 15 and they're kind of back in the mix of like the four or five and 
and then you probably don't make a move at all. So yeah, we'll see. I think being average though, being, uh, you know, 22 and 23 or 30 and 30 or 35 and, and 34, like that's really, that, that doesn't, that's no man's land for them. And they're just like, mm-hmm. what, what do we do? So, all right. Last Plumley, thing. Plumley expiring. So all three would be rentals. Uh, yeah, they, they'd just be getting I mean, off maybe, money. Maybe, right? They'd just be getting off money for, I don't know. It just seems like a, like everyone's just like, okay, we lost. Like in the Wiseman thing. All right, last thing for us before we get out of here, um, which is you are a big draft guy. And the Ringer draft guy just came out. And I just wanted to have a quick conversation about it because i know we'll, we'll make this a bigger part of the podcast uh for you know once the off season and even even leading into the off season because it is a fun discussion to talk about this stuff um but okay so here is the draft guide and it is of course if anybody has paid any sort of attention whatsoever it is a victor women yama as the top prospect for this season uh, teams are going to be tanking for him 100%. Uh, we got Scoot Henderson uh, as as the number two spot. And uh, and then uh, KOC has uh, Brandon Miller, Amen Thompson, and uh, Jaris, Jaris, Jaris Walker? Jer- at, I think it's Jaris. As his top five. So, obviously, the Warriors won't have anybody in, 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 you know, in the top five. They're going to be in the 20s for, for a possible pick. Hey, don't count your chickens. <laughs> it's er, it's it's early but is there any shades of you know guys who maybe in KOC's top 15 like Grady Dick from Kansas <laughs> feels like he should be a, a duke a duke player like uh anybody Nick you Smith, have your your eye on for Well Nick possible. Smith was supposed to be like a top 7 prospect going into the college season he started uh hurt so he missed a couple games but he's supposed to be like a Jordan Poole type Interesting. Um, yeah, Jordan, the I, I would say, too. yeah, Jordan Poole, like between the frame of like a Jordan Poole, Bones Highland, like think of like the game and the frame, honestly. But Nick Smith seems to not have an issue really getting by someone. Like he has a deeper bag than Poole, as much as I like Poole's shifty and stuff. But Poole sometimes has a hard time getting around guys. Nick Smith doesn't seem to have that problem. I'm interested why he fell to 16 on KOC's board, but I haven't been paying as much attention as I'd like to. Um, but I know Nick Smith's junior's a bucket, so I'm interested. All right, who's on your rate? Like, who who are the guys that you're going to be kind of circling, going like, if the Warriors get this guy, then I'll be happy. Well, Derek Whitehead's kind of a similar case to uh, Nick Smith being a top seven prospect coming into college. Derek's low now; he's low. He's oh, like he's in the twenties. He's like the top prospect at Duke. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. What is he at? Twenty one now. Twenty one for KOC. Another thing where it's like injuries just like shade was from- steady lance stevenson see i don't I, I, maybe well KOC watches more but like ever since he came back from his injury he definitely feels like not as like smooth when he's moving he feels a little more like that lance stevenson movement where it's kind of like herky-jerky almost and does, but he, Dariq, like, does he blow a uh, blow air on people he might like he did lebron so Derek played on moody's team i believe i believe so Derek would have been a sophomore in high school when moses kate and scotty were seniors i'm assuming Derek was good enough to play up in var at that Mont Vern or whatever that high school is called, that crazy, crazy high school that has so many good NBA. Like they have the craziest NBA alumni out of like any high school I've seen. Um, but the Derek, like 
if you watch his high school tape, it's like he scores at all three levels. He hits the tough shots at all those superstars in the league. Like they hit these like tough mid rangers that for some reason no one else can do. Well, it's hard, but Dariq was doing that. I know it's high school competition, but Dariq was also like this levitator athlete. And he just, he could do, he was a good on ball defender too. He's a good side. What is he like six, six or six, seven? He could play two guard. Like that, I was really interested in him as a prospect, but I know the injuries have kind of stopped him from coming back uh, at, a, at a steady rate. But if he fell to the Warriors, I would take a swing on him totally. Look at Chris Murray right under him. Who does that look like? <laughs> it looks like his, tw- his twin brother. Yeah. <laughs> I think if, it's funny how um, the, the the top of the draft, there's the Thompson twins, right? And a lot of the conversation is like, how do you guys have Amen number three and Asar number seven? Like, mm-hmm. usually the twins end up just kind of being like the same player. And then they're the, like, they say that. And then it's like, okay, so why is Chris Murray still in college and not with his twin brother Keegan in the NBA? Yeah. Yeah. The Thompson twins. Amen. Born in Oakland, baby. Amen. And who's an Asur? Asur. So do they play on the same over uh, the overtime elite team? Yeah, their team's unfair. It's that, I think that's the main knock I have on that competition is one, their team is stacked. And two, I don't know if there's any like, just think of like a Nerlens Noel type big where it's like, okay, like the rim running big the way we wanted Wiseman to be. I don't know if that league has that many of them. So when Amen and Asur, like this Uber athletes who are able to get to the rim at no issue, it's like, well, they don't really have shot bloggers in that league. It seems like. So that would be the one knock I have on overtime elite as like you think of like, okay, these guys aren't going to college. So is their competition like going to be NBA worthy? Mm-hmm. The overtime elites is like a pretty good competition, but that's the one knock I feel like I've seen is I'm worried about like, they don't really have those shot blocking centers that I feel like, you know, all the other, other levels might. Amen. Shades of a tall John Morant. Or a yeah. bean pole, Z- Zion Williamson. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that kid play. Mm-mm. Like he can jump, like right when he jumps, like it's. How do I even explain it? Like I feel like I've I've said I've talked about like different types of like this uber athleticism on the Bama yeah. a couple times where it feels like if you watch like a guy like Jaden Ivey or Jonathan Kaminga. They are crazy athletes who could jump out of the gym, but once they get in the air, it's kind of like dunk or nothing. And you watch a guy like John Morant or Jalen Green, they can jump out of nowhere, but it's like, okay, if they don't have the dunk, they have the swiftness to like bring the ball down and double clutch it and still go up with like a layup that I feel like Jay, Jonathan Kaminga or Jaden Ivey don't necessarily have yet. Amen Thompson fits more with the Jalen Greens and the John Morant type of like that levitation athleticism that can just continue to be smooth in the air, even though they're like 10 feet above the rim. And he's like six six or six seven on top of it. So those Thompson twins are going to be great point of attack defenders. They could be like the best, you know, guard, the best guard on the other team. And then provide like that athleticism and on the offensive end like i think there's a definite like really high ceiling but like a pretty low floor for those two kids because they don't mm. really they're not the best three-point shooters so they might just turn into like a a gp2 or like a hamadou diallo which isn't like out of the league but it's not like third pick you know yeah well over the uh you know from now until the the draft in june you know, maybe we'll pick a couple of guys who who we'll we'll, we'll start digging into and and uh, researching a little bit as as possible fits, and and maybe Bob Myers will want to hire us to to help. The yeah, leaders. I need to start looking to the later in the draft guys because I, I I'm I was more just aware like going into the draft who the top seven guys were like there's a Cam Whitmore in there too who's supposed to be with the Wimbenyama, the Scoots, the Thompson twins, Derek, uh, Nick Smith, and and. Uh, but all these other guys since college season has started, which under, makes sense. Like these guys probably, you know, still 18, 17 years old, um, late blooming, not even late blooming, just blooming at the right time to, uh, and now there's just, it's a whole different board than when they went into college, which is, I think is pretty interesting. Like 
Brandon Miller, I don't know where he was going into the um into the college season where he was ranked. And my guy Raphael Barlow uh made a comment that just like blew people in the draft Twitter's minds, which was like, I think this guy Brandon Miller is the third pick in the draft. And everyone was like, Are you kidding me? Like, and he was mainly saying, like, I think draft Twitter gets into this like uh, like herd mentality almost mm-hmm. where you know that everyone has their mind set on this specific order and you can't break the order i mean last year like everyone was like yeah jabari smith jr number one and we all knew like not we all knew but everyone like knew paolo was the better prospect koc had paolo number one on his board rafael barlow had paolo number one on his board but we we're all just like yeah jabari smith jr is going to go number one well it's also so, who the the teams are kind yeah of that was a big part of it they're, too. they're kind of leaking you know certain guys i'm sure yeah. it's, i'm sure a lot of it is you know it's just it's just a game of like okay if you're houston are you um i mean i'm sorry if you're orlando, orlando. are you going to leak that you like jabari and then you hear from a team that's in like the 4 or 5 spot that is willing to give you a boatload to get to one so they could take jabari and then maybe you could still take someone who you know or or maybe they were just trying to get uh the thunder to to jump up thinking like oh if if we if we want to get uh, Chet, we got to get to number one because you know because Orlando Orlando's going to take Chet. You know it's just this whole game. So it's, it's I mean, but it's so interesting, yeah, uh, how it works out. But yeah, so you know, yeah, we'll 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 do a little research. We'll 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 pick uh, we'll we'll help Bob Myers pick the Warriors uh, player. Uh, prefer that it is a, a much later pick than uh, you know 25, 26 range. Uh, worst case scenario like 21 22 <laughs> that would yeah. be bad but it's uh, a really interesting draft class and my last thing on it is that i've just heard so many draft people who i follow and like you know respect like say that they think there's genuinely like like 20 or like 22 to like 26 or 20 to like 25 lottery talent guys and you know the lottery ends at what 14 so like having that many like lottery worthy prospects I'm glad the Warriors have their pick is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would hate to not have my pick in this draft. But the the problem with the Warriors is you can only stash these guys, these young players so so much. Like, are you yeah. going to have a PBJ and a Ryan Rollins and the 2023 draft pick as the last three guys on your bench? And Steve just does not want to play any of them. It's just like... And, and Guy Santos? And Guy Santos. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. We, we, we gotta follow. That's not our team. job. That's not our job. It's Bob's yeah. job. It is. It is. It's Bob's job, but he still hasn't signed his contract. He right? might not be his job. I wonder what happens if like a new GM comes in. Kirk Lakeham. Kirk Lakeham. Okay, yeah. If a new GM comes in, I'm sure like he's gonna have to get every single approval from Lakeham to like build trust. But that'd be so funny if a new GM came in and just traded all of the young guys right <laughs> away. Like first move. All the young guys were gone. <laughs> Kirk, Kirk Lakeup and Sean Livingston, your co-Warriors GMs. No, we don't want to see that. We like Bob. Okay, um, so we'll be back sometime next week. It's possible we'll be back in our normal Thursday spot because uh, they play Wednesday and Friday, so we could probably fit in Thursday or or maybe if you want to go after a game again, depending on schedules. Like, you know, I want to make sure that your schedule is uh, being accounted for as well. Uh, so next week, um, or sorry, this weekend, uh, we want winners. We'll be back after 49ers and Cowboys. That game is a 3.30 p.m. game. And so uh, Rod and I will probably be back, I would say closer to like 9-ish, just because 
uh, you know, 6.30. Yeah, maybe, maybe we could do 6.30. We'll see. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'll announce on the BSPN show's Twitter. But Rod and I will be back after 49ers. We are in the uh, Brock Purdy season here. So we'll see if Brock Purdy is still being legit or if he possibly turns back into a pumpkin. I hope not. I hope he's legit. Do you think he's legit? I want to see him play the type of defense that Dallas plays, and he will convince me if he's legit, if he plays well against Dallas. Because, yeah, I've just seen some stuff on, like, I don't know. I've, I, I'm obviously on, like, the 49ers Twitter, but I also feel like I've seen, like, some very anti, like, Brock Purdy tweets just floating around my timeline from other fan bases, and it's, like... There was the guy on Simmons's podcast who's like, oh, it's all play action, and they're, like, creating these... It's all Shanahan creating opportunities mm-hmm. in the play action for Brock Purdy, which, if very much, like, that's kind of what I see, too, but I don't know enough about that position to say whether he's, like has you know is legit or not legit uh i trust I mean, that uh, yeah they're gonna put him in good position though right they're gonna i mean the good thing about a young quarterback potentially is like okay yeah you could be right that he's actually not good but like he can get better you know he's not capped at his potential yet he could just like be really good the next game and just just like you know he's not uh, he's not jimmy g who we already know is not going to get any better or you know so yeah you know what you get with jimmy g yeah you don't necessarily know what what the what the bounds of of what Purdy can bring to the table? So yeah, they could be right. He could be bad right now, but maybe next game he's makes some stunning plays. Yeah, the, da- the Dallas game is the moment of truth, though, because from here on out, like the night once Purdy took over, the Niners didn't really play any killers. You know, they played some good teams who made the playoffs, like Miami. Uh, they played the Seahawks twice. They beat the Commanders, who you know they they didn't make the playoffs, but they were kind of on the cusp. But they also played a lot of crappy teams, and so the Bucks. You're right, the Bucks, who are also I, I, I found the Bucks to be uh, maybe the worst team in the playoffs. But yeah. that, but that, the you know you, that was the schedule. He and it was a good sort of like uh, opportunity for him to get his feet wet, and 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 the team was the team was humming along, and they were doing so well. So him. Basically taking the 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 driver the the steering wheel and going like okay I'm just gonna keep driving this car he did a fantastic job but now when you get to Dallas and they got Micah Parsons and they create turnovers that is where I'm just in in the in in my mind I'm seeing Brock Purdy bootleg to the left mm. kind of the balls hanging out and someone just swipes it and it's a yeah. fumble like I I'm just seeing that like worst case scenario stuff but. He may be built for this. You you just yeah. don't know. I mean, he played in How, many many big college games, so maybe just, he's just built for yeah. it. Yeah, I'm this is not the Niners pod, and I'm not the Niners guy. But my last question is like, how scary is Dallas? It I wasn't totally afraid of them last year. You know, they were still like a semi close game, but it felt like the Niners had control for the majority of last year's game. And I know teams change on a year to year basis, but how much better is Dallas this year than they were last year? If you tell me Dak is going to be bad. The Niners are definitely winning the game. If you tell me Dak is going to be good, I think it's going to be a competitive game. Just because there's this Brock piece that he's still, it, it is still a little bit of a wild card, right? Because you don't yeah. know if, if what we've seen is the same thing because he's so young. But I, I would, I would say, if you tell me Dak is is going to ball out, then it's probably going to be a back and forth game. But if Dak is uh, doesn't play well and the Niners defense actually gets to him. I think I think they'll probably win the game 
at least by a touchdown. But yeah, last year that they, they kind of dominated that game until the end, and yeah, Dak made us that Dak running out of time at the right, end made time, us yeah. pretty happy. So. <laughs> uh, all right, all right, all right. We're done here. Uh, like I said, we'll be back next week. Uh, we want winners this weekend. Thompson and Clark on Monday again, and then Brian and I will be back next week. So for Bry, I am Double G. See you when we see you. Peace out.